very good very good thank you um another wednesday another hello world um i am joined by a small friend just here but just ignore him in the background <laughs> our new co-host is the uh, the gonk in the background as we just learned the <laughs> So we've got a jam-packed show for you today, as we do every Wednesday. Um, first up, we're going to be meeting uh, Jeremiah in a while, uh, talk about the audience challenge review to review your audience participation in the challenge he set yesterday. Uh, then Scott Hansman is joined by another guest in an episode of File New Project. We'll then be talking about some chaos in Azure Fun Bites with Jay. And then Craig will join us to talk about WSL in WinDevBox. So, Amy, a jam-packed show. But first, we wanted to do something a bit different this week, right? Yeah. So this week, uh, in our headlines and announcements section, uh, we sometimes cover product. We sometimes cover um, different events that are happening. But actually, after a fun, fun-filled pack uh, amount of events in the past, we thought we'd focus on our customers. And actually, there's this cool site that we have called customers.microsoft.com. Uh, this site is basically where you can find all these amazing stories that we work on with our customers to share with everyone so that you can kind of learn a little bit about how people are using Microsoft technology in the real world, which is pretty cool. Um, so I wanted to pick out um, just one example uh, from, that I found that's actually like Cutting Edge, it was literally released today. Uh, it's, a, it's one called Even Break Talents First is the customer. And what they do is they help disabled candidates find inclusive employers. And this the whole piece around making sure that we are much more diverse in workforces and actually the strength that that brings to an organization um, is a really, really cool um, story to go and take a little bit more information from. I also just wanted to mention that they actually use a lot of the inbuilt pieces in things like Microsoft 365. They explicitly call out Microsoft Teams with closed captioning, with um, descriptive audio, with innovations such as like password free sign on and all of these kinds of pieces that just make people's everyday lives that little bit easier. Um, and yeah, just a really, really cool, quite fulfilling story um, to read. And I thought it was quite relevant because last week we obviously had Microsoft Include, um, which was an amazing um, conference. You can go and check some of those things on Catch Up as well at aka.ms slash msinclude. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really brilliant story. And you should definitely check out Include if you haven't done already. Uh, I've also been checking out customers at Microsoft.com, Amy, in preparation for the show. And uh, I've been looking at a really cool story, for, uh, which is also a quite new one from our partner, Avenard. And oh, a lot of us know Avenard as a Microsoft partner. They're pretty well known in the consulting space, helping customers digitally, digitally transform. Um, but I learned whilst reading this story that they've got 39,000 employees, which is quite a lot. And um, actually 90, 92% of those employees at any given time are outside of the office perimeter. They're out on customer site. They're off on different consulting engagements, etc. So they wanted to look at how they could handle the uh, insider risk of employees. And they wanted to do what they call keeping honest people honest uh, with a light touch and the right technology because they trust their staff and they're honest. But of course, with 39,000 employees, um, they, they can never be too sure. And being a security person myself, uh, I, I definitely agree with them in that sentiment. The, uh, so they deployed a service that I work in Microsoft and I didn't know we had this product called um, Insider Risk Management, which is a tool that's built into Microsoft 365 that people can implement to try and help to identify and mitigate against insider threats. So it's a compliance tool that people can use. So um, 
really, really cool story. I encourage everybody to go and check that out if they get the time at customers.microsoft.com. Amazing. Oh, and you know what, Dean, like that actually makes my imposter syndrome very slightly go away. The fact that you didn't know there was one security product. Um, <laughs> what are we going to do about that? Um, but as always, anything that we're going to talk about in the show today is aka.ms slash show notes. Um, so do go there. And first up, uh, Jeremiah is back and he's going to review the Azure DevOps challenge that we set yesterday. So let's bring him on. Jeremiah, are you there? Hello, Amy. I am here. How are you? Yes, very good. Very good. Thank you. Always a privilege to have you on the show. Um, and as always, you set us a challenge yesterday. So what are we, what are we reviewing today? So this week we did DevOps. Yesterday we had the incomparable uh, Abel Wang on with us to talk through what the product is and the tools that are made up of it. And he gave us a really fun story around the actual development team that was building Azure DevOps and some of the challenges that they had moving into a more agile framework. So the question that we asked the audience was, what's the biggest mistake you made in your process of adopting DevOps? And this was one of those ones where apparently everybody has a story. Like everybody who's worked anywhere that's gone through that uh, that transition has a story. And so we picked three good ones, I think, uh, for the audience to kind of see how everyone else is going through this process. Um, the first one is actually from one of our own Microsoft advocates, uh, Shannon Keen, before she moved into the advocacy role, worked with customers in the field, and she worked with an energy sector customer who brought in a whole bunch of folks from across different silos within the company to build out a DevOps practice, which in theory seems like a pretty good idea. Uh, what she found was that telling them to be agile just meant that they got a different group of people to all sit at the same table and try to figure out what it was that they wanted to do for a strategy. So telling people to be more agile doesn't necessarily make it so. Uh, and mm -hmm. then apparently they didn't put any uh, resource locks on some of their Azure deployments, including some of their express route connectivity between Azure and their, their local on-prem environments. And uh, they had a pipeline go a little bit sideways, deleted a whole bunch of things, uh, turned into a pretty interesting DevOps day for sure. Oh gosh, resource locks are a brilliant one, right? The whole kind of, are you sure you want to delete this kind well, of thing is... I, um... You and I having history from the Ignite tour where we woke up one morning and half of the resources were gone. Yes, I've gotten very yes. good at, 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 a, at a resource lock. So the second one that we looked at is a pretty famous story. Uh, there was a US company called Knight Capital Group that literally went from code release to bankruptcy in 36 hours. And um, the the story is pretty spectacular, kind of the timing and the way everything works. And Doug Seven's done a great job of kind of detailing that through it. He also gives this as a uh, conference talk, which I think is where I first uh, became aware of this story. So I've put the link down there at the bottom and we'll make sure that it's in the show notes. So if anybody wants to read through, he's got a really detailed, but just this idea that we can botch the delivery of a software update to the point where like billions of dollars of financial transactions don't do what they're supposed to and an entire company disappears. Um, just another way of just because the tools are there doesn't mean that they're going to do you a whole lot of good if you're not using them appropriately. Um, 
The third one that we wanted to look at, uh, this was a new one for me. I hadn't heard this one, um, but I think it's kind of that the, the circle of life, right? So we have a company whose division head wanted them to start running automation tests unattended overnight. And obviously the team said, this is a terrible idea. Like Dean somewhere off camera is jumping up and down and yelling. <laughs> we don't do automated testing against live systems ever. Um, of course, after turning that down respectfully, they just found an offshore team to begin doing the nighttime testing against the live uh, environment, which ended up causing all sorts of issues, an entire electrical meltdown, the lab ended up needing to be replaced. Um, and obviously that turned into a change of management. Well, the new management came in with the brilliant idea of let's do un unattended automation tests against the live environment. And so you can imagine everybody who works on that team looking around at one another like, really, this is this is what we're going to do again. So uh, DevOps is one of those things, lots of power, lots of control, uh, lots of ability to make a pretty significant mess if you're if you're not careful or if you don't put the uh, all of the pieces around how do we manage the life cycle of the people, the processes, the code, everything it is that we're doing all at once. Yeah, it kind of like it obviously technology is at the center of pretty much every business at this point. And so you're right, like the 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 amount that can go wrong is is really um really concerning. But obviously then being able to go to docs and get that those best practices and hear from you know people in the industry on what they're doing and kind of learn from any mistakes is always well, really cool. It's always, so it's it's always the quote, right? To err is human, to really mess things up requires DevOps. So we've, uh, <laughs> we've certainly seen some examples of that. Um, if you want to learn more about this, if you want to know anything about Azure DevOps, um, we've got a link for you down here at the bottom. It's aka.ms slash hello world. We've got some resources both to uh, the product itself and also to the learn modules that we have on Microsoft Learn that cover being able to use the, the, uh, the product in practice. Nice one. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah. As always, an absolute pleasure and some amazing stories you shared with us. Um, we are going to move on, though. So next up, we have Scott Hanselman, who recently called with Kazim Salon uh, for another installment of Falnu Project. So let's take a look. Hey friends, I'm Scott Hanselman, and we're talking today on File New Project with folks that are on the internet that are early in career or students that are making it happen. And today, I've got my new friend, Kazim Salam. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you go to school in uh, was UC Irvine? Yeah, so I'm a third-year computer science student at UC Irvine. One of the things that I'm noticing about early in career people that are students uh, like yourself is that you're all over online. So online, you're known as Zeme the Dream, and you've got a website and an Instagram and a YouTube, and you're on TikTok. Why do you do that? Like, you could just go to class and then just, like, go home. You don't have to, like, put content out, but you choose to. Yeah, so I think for me, it's mainly the fact that I am putting out content and, you know, it's a creative outlet for me. Like I love making videos. I love editing. I love doing all of that. And at the same time, I could be helping somebody out. Like I could be giving them some information that they might not have known about. So it's just more of like a creative process and me, I'm just going along with my journey and documenting it and helping people out at the same time. So it's always been about that. Thing. That's really cool. Like on your on your YouTube, you actually ask questions like, what is uh, online school going to be like? 
And you know, what's this experience going to be like? And you're, it's not a vlog because those are very casual. You're like strategizing how to explain people, uh, how they can make their lives better. You're like, this is my journey and how my journey relates to your journey. Right. So like, for instance, you mentioned like, what is online school like? You know, I had a whole quarter where I faced the online school process. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm sure other people coming into UC Irvine or just people at all different types of school, they're probably wondering like, how, how's this going to be, especially that I'm a freshman? Well, how am I going to integrate this? How am I going to navigate this online school process? So like I said, it's just more about helping people out and just kind of documenting my journey as I go. Have you found that people are really positive? Like, are you bumping into trolls or are you finding a lot of other people saying, this guy's talking to me, like he's living my, he's like speaking to me. This is my life too. No, everything's been really positive for me. Like I find like a lot of people are just like, thank you for this information. This is super helpful. You know, hey, I'm about to start UCI right now. Thank you for, you know, putting this video out. So it's all been pretty positive and pretty helpful. And it's just like, I just love the community. Many years ago when I got started, I did feel like kind of lonely and isolated. Like I didn't feel like there was a community, but I feel like the rise of social media has allowed new developers to feel like, you know, we're in this together and we are techies and we are coders. Is that the kind of vibe that you're trying to cultivate? Yes, it is. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, build my community because, you know, I have a small community. It's not like, you know, I have such a huge base, but um, as I'm going, as I'm making this content, my community is growing. So I'm kind of cultivating that, mm -hmm. you know, yes, I may be a student, but I have other things going on as well. Like it's not just coding specifically, it's my life. It's, you know, different things that I'm getting into. Like, you know, am I going to get an intern? Am I doing in this aspect of my life? So it's all just sort of building that up and then growing with people. It's not just, you know, I'm spewing out information. I'm growing myself and learning myself. That's really cool. A good friend of mine said that we need to normalize normal people as coders. And with that, I took that to mean diverse uh, interests. And you could be talking about coding one day and about your new kicks the next day and about a TV show and then about coding. Like we can be real people with fully formed interests who are also programmers. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that's sort of what I want to show people on my YouTube and my TikTok and my Instagram is I'm a normal, I'm a normal person, but you know, I also code. I love programming and I love doing many projects and learning about new things. That's cool. Yeah, I find it to be really empowering. The whole point of being able to code is that, like, I can make this. I can influence my world with code. I can change things. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize, you know, how much you can actually do with just coding, whether it's big or small. Programmers, they solve problems every day. So it's just really, it's just really cool to do because I feel like I'm learning as I go. And that's like the main thing. Like it comes so easy for me because I'm just learning and I'm putting in um, effort to put out this content. But at the same time, I'm getting stuff out of it and I'm helping people. So it's just sort of a win-win situation. It is a win-win situation. Let's appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on File New Project. Folks can check out Kazim everywhere online. Just look for Zeem the Dream and you'll find him on basically yes. every platform that there is. All right. Goodbye, everybody. What a great story, Amy, right? Uh, how Kazim is, is learning uh, all that new stuff and sharing his knowledge with the community as well. So that's that's really, really cool. Uh, don't forget to go and follow Kazim on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, anywhere uh, or that you want to follow and see some of that awesome content. But Amy, now awesome. it's time to um, 
to find out a little bit more about what's in store with Azure Fun Bites with Jay. Hey, Jay. How are you? How's it going? Hey, how are you? Hello, world. Uh, Dean, you're the dream. I uh, just want you to know that. But anyway, welcome back uh, to this segment for Azure Fun Bites, where every week we get you prepared for this week's episode. And if you haven't heard me say it once before, I will say it again. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. on the West and 2 p.m. on the East, where my heart and home is, uh, we'll get together to discuss the products, the services, and all these fundamentals that make up Azure. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely worth everybody tuning in. Awesome. It's definitely worth everybody tuning in and checking out that. But Jay, what topic are you going to be covering this week in the Azure Fun Bites show? This week, we'll talk about how to find pain points in your IT solutions and applications by creating a little chaos. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, chaos engineering is an important method where uh, you can find, say, single points of failure in your solution. And so uh, I love this definition. It is from a paper that was titled The Principles of Chaos Engineering. Uh, you can go to principlesofchaos.org. And uh, chaos engineering is the discipline of experimenting on a system in order to build confidence in a system's capability to withstand turbulent conditions in production. And let me tell you, Dean, if we've learned anything recently is that conditions change in almost any scenario, any situation, but especially in technology. And so one of the things that we do with chaos engineering is we try to prepare for the worst by actually creating the worst. Um, and, and so I, I really am looking forward to this conversation. And you want to know who I'm going to have? I can't wait to hear. Well, I am going to have the marvelous, the wonderful, the uh, brilliant Anna Medina of Gremlin. Uh, Anna comes with so many years of experience uh, in massive scale deployments. Uh, she's a chaos empress and someone I am so thankful that it's going to be part of this week. She works over at Gremlin, which is a great uh, chaos engineering tool that what we can do is, is learn together and she'll share these benefits of chaos engineering with me. Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the tools that are made up in Gremlin will help us to attack our applications. So, Dean, why don't we go and take a look real quickly at uh, this quick little uh, run through I have, this is going into the Gremlin application. And so uh, you can use this software as a service that uh, will let you work as well, uh, work alongside agents that you install for things like VMs, containers, Kubernetes. There's Helm charts to help you with that. And you can work with Windows or Linux to create attacks and add different types of chaos into your IT solutions. So if you want to see how, uh, say, a service handles uh, a random Windows shutdown, we can do that. We can turn off a server, take a look and see what remains online, what isn't working. And that's going to help us improve the reliability and, and really help make sure that the reputation of our applications uh, remains solid. So I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about this. And you know what, Dean? Reliability, isn't it so key in all of these things that we do? I mean, I've spent years as a cloud architect, and uh, one of the things that is 
most important is reliability. And I actually did some research into chaos engineering a few years ago, and I, I started diving into it. And I, I heard of Gremlin, but I didn't get a chance to get my hands on it. So uh, I really love the idea of putting those principles of chaos engineering into a tool that people can easily consume and um, run those experiments on their own environment. So I'm really excited to check that out. And I'll definitely be tuning into the show tomorrow, Joe, about that. Well, you know what? Thank you. And if you uh, would like to check out the show, you can watch it right here on Learn TV, aka.ms slash Learn TV. Um, if you want to see old episodes, one of the things I really recommend you do is check out the Azure DevOps blog. If you go to aka.ms slash Azure DevOps blog, there's old episodes and tons of other content. Uh, a lot of stuff, you know, we were talking about with Dooley before or Jeremiah before, excuse me, <laughs> uh, getting a little uh, personal there. But anyway, uh, check out Azure Fun Bites. Give us a, a watch. And so I know you got something great coming up next, Dean. I'm going to throw it back to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for Azure Fun Bites with Jay. Uh, I want to welcome Amy back to the show. Welcome back, Amy. And uh, what do we have in store next? So up next, we would normally have Kayla, who runs our wonderful WinDevBox um, segment. However, we have been left in the capable hands of Craig Lowen. So I'll be chatting with Craig all about WSL. Um, so let's welcome Craig on. Hey, Craig, are you there? Hey, how's it going, Amy? Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for joining us on, us on the show um, and giving Kayla the well-deserved break. She she uh, definitely deserves. She's great on this show. But uh, Craig, what is WSL and what can we do with it? So WSL stands for the Windows Subsystem for Linux, and it is a way for you to run all your Linux workflows, applications, tools, utilities, and more directly on a Windows machine. So we have some really cool demos that we can check out. Um, of what this looks like to actually run through this experience. Um, okay. And really what, what it is, is you can open up Windows Terminal. And then here you can see I have a bunch of different Linux distributions installed, Ubuntu, Debian, different versions of Ubuntu, OpenSUSE, as well as Kali and others. And it's as, just as easy as clicking into one, and then I have access to a full Linux environment. So I can run things like apt update, apt install. Uh, here, I'm actually opening a web server in Linux using Jekyll. Um, I can click on the link inside of Windows Terminal and access that using localhost on my Windows machine, which is hugely powerful, right? So I can target Linux on my Windows machine quite easily, which makes my life easy if I'm targeting Linux in the cloud, uh, because I can run very closely to my production environment. And here's what it looks like to actually code in this. I can open this up, this project in VS Code using the remote extension. And all of the Linux paths and any binaries that I'm running in here are actually running fully inside of a Linux environment. And I can go and edit my website, add content to it, run it. And if it did have a runtime, I could debug it fully in this environment. Um, and everything works just as it would on a Linux machine which is something that's hugely powerful and we're really excited to uh, help enable for the community. Oh, wow. I love that. That kind of like, yeah, just crossing everything together, being able to use whatever you need, whenever you need it. Um, and also one last thing as a developer to, to worry about. So thank you so much for sharing that, Craig. Um, we always want to know here at Hello World and just in technology in general, what's coming in the future? Can you tell us? Yes, so we are actually working on adding GPU compute support uh, for the Windows subsystem for Linux. So here's the example using Docker Desktop. I wanted to show a container example because whenever I run 
any AI or machine learning scenarios. I always run them in containers. And Docker Desktop now actually has support for using the GPU inside of WSL. So what that means is um, I can access the same containers on Windows as I do in Linux. Uh, these containers can access my GPU, and I can run full uh, machine learning and AI development workflows here. So what ends up happening at the end of the day is, let's say, I, in this case, I'm using TensorFlow. I can run TensorFlow like Python, main.py. That stresses my GPU over on Windows to do all of my calculations uh, and is fully integrated between them. And to your point, it makes it really awesome so you don't have to dual boot or manage a traditional VM setup. That's so cool. I know. I, I love that. And obviously, yeah, TensorFlow, I do a little bit of data science myself. So definitely when you showed us that one, I was like, I understand like this does make life really, really easy. So thank you so much to you and the team for pulling all these things together. Um, it's, it's so impressive. Always on Hello World, we never have enough time um, to learn everything, but we want to inspire. And so uh, where should we go uh, to learn more? If you want to learn more, you can go to aka.ms/wsl, and that has our docs page with all her relevant info. Uh, we also have the install link at aka.ms/wsl install, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Craig A. Lowen um, and post basically any more information that we have on WSL. Wonderful. And also, obviously, that actually that ak.ms, uh, you will recognize the person in the video on the pages because it's actually great. So um, always a treat to be pointing towards the people that we actually have on the show. Um, so yeah, this has been really, really good. Craig, thank you so much for joining us on Hello World and telling us all about WSL. Um, for now, we're going to bring Dean back in. And it's, it's time to wrap up, Dean. 25 minutes already. I know, absolutely flies by, doesn't it? Every single week, uh, too much information, just too much great information coming out from everybody. So um, let's bring everybody back on, shall we? Uh, so that mm -hmm. we can ask them about where people can go and learn more about their particular specific segments and what they shared with us today. Um, so let's start with, uh, well, we'll get personal, hey, Dooley. So we'll bring uh, <laughs> Jeremiah back on to the show to, uh, yeah, where can people learn more about next week's challenge? You can call me anything you want, just as long as you call me. Uh, anybody who wants to learn more about Azure DevOps uh, can go to aka.ms slash Hello World Challenge. Awesome. Go and check that out and join us for the challenge next week. You never know, we might feature your uh, your submission next week. Uh, great stuff. And then next up, um, we have got, um, well, the segment for the um, Zeme the Dream, the awesomest uh, <laughs> online handle ever, which makes... Um, I think all of ours looking around the screen there look pretty pretty boring. Um, so if you want to follow um, Zine the Dream on uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, anywhere online where he is and see some of that awesome content, I encourage you to go and check that out as well. Um, but then let's bring back Jay to talk about Azure Fun Bites. Dean the Dream, that's the one I'm gonna start referring to you now. Hey, thanks again for having me back. And remember, if you wanna watch uh, old episodes of Azure Fun Bites, you can see them on aka.ms slash Azure DevOps blog, but if you want to keep up to date with all the new episodes, just go to the Twitter, go to twitter.com slash Azure Fun Bites. I've always got information about what episodes are, are coming up. Awesome, great stuff. And uh, Craig, we've just heard about WSL, but just remind everybody where they can go and see that wonderful uh, video and see the see your face there on the docs page. If you want to see my face, you can go to aka.ms slash WSL and learn all about the Windows subsystem for Linux.
Awesome. And if you heard any, if you're interested in those customer stories that Amy and I shared at the beginning, don't forget, you can also check stuff out at customers.microsoft.com. There's a ton of interesting stories there. Uh, Jeremiah's doing his fingers here. But Amy, uh, where can people go and get uh, information about the show and um, what's up next? Yeah, I was going to say, so we always end on everything you need is at ak.ms slash show notes. Um, and this is the place where all of the detail is, all of these links, even more sometimes that, than actually what we say on screen. Um, so definitely go there. Jeremiah, I know you're going to have that cool blog on there as well for people to read through, which will be cool. So yeah, um, definitely head over there. And, and yeah, getting prompted by our producers, love it. Yeah. Hello World Feedback, we wanna hear from you. We are putting on these shows, we are bringing on uh, amazing guests, but we wanna hear kind of, what do you wanna see? What, what can we do better uh, always? So definitely check out Hello World Feedback. Um, and then don't forget, we are here every day at exactly the same time. And then we also repeat um, a, a few hours later in the uh, eight, in the, Asia Pacific time zone. Uh, so tomorrow we have Frank and Nitya as our wonderful hosts. And if you want to go and find out and get a calendar invite so that you can block your calendar, go to aka.ms slash hello world. And then kind of last thing is we're here on Learn TV, but you can stay tuned because up next is the Korea switcher stories. Sorry, I, I definitely want to kind of check into that one. I've not had a chance yet. Um, but yeah, from all of us here uh, on Hello World, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to all our guests. And uh, that's all from us. So thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you tomorrow. See you later.